Welcome to Marksman, a program for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness. Amen. Praise God. I'm Mark Spellman. I'm your host, and so glad you're part of the conversation tuned into Marksman. I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends, both Christian friends and and men who may not have found faith in Christ, may still be in a place of searching and wondering and questions. That's okay. Share the program with them. Love for them to be uh, hearing the conversation, a part of the conversation, because again, I wish I'd have heard some of these things when my heart was reaching and searching and seeking. If I would have found out what Christianity is really all about, if I would have found out that it was really about Christ likeness, and and yeah, going to heaven when you die is you know it's an important thing, but it's <laughs> it's so much more than just having the assurance that if I were to die tonight, I would go to heaven. Um, But man, if I would have heard the beauty of what was redeemed through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that my identity was restored. My, the reason God removed my sins was so he could reveal my value, my identity, and real purpose for living life. And so that I could discover the grace of life and quit living a life that was frustrated and empty and unfulfilling, no matter how much I achieved. I mean, you, you find out pretty quick in this life, doesn't matter what you achieve, no matter what you buy, doesn't matter where you go, doesn't matter how many homes you have or the cars you drive, ultimately, it just doesn't fulfill. I mean, you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it doesn't take long, and you'll be like Solomon saying, vanity, vanity, it just, it doesn't fulfill. Only life aimed at Christ-likeness is fulfilling, is truly satisfying, and it allows all the other things that things that can bless our life to have meaning and purpose that are just beyond this life. So anyway, just hope you'll share the program. Hope you'll get other men in the conversation. We're always uh, pleased to have guests from time to time. And I've got some guests coming up I've been talking to about getting on the program. And I'm excited to get them in the conversation with us. But uh, today it's you and I, and we're continuing our conversation about Abraham. We're continuing to dig into Hebrews 11. Of course, Jesus Christ is the perfect man. He's the one we want to follow. It's his life that is the perfect life. Yet the Bible gives us other men, other lives, like in Hebrews 11, that are tremendous supplements that can encourage our faith, stir our faith, and teach us in this walk of faith. And particularly, we dig into Hebrews 11, going back to the original places where these men lived life. Uh, We've been talking about Abraham. I think we're on like part four of Abraham. And that's okay. You know, if you missed the previous three, go back, check them out. And if you missed them, don't tune out now. Just hang in there. Today's message, today's conversation is going to kind of stand alone on its own legs. So you don't have to have heard everything before to get something out of today. But if you can go back and pick up the previous ones, that would be great. Uh, part one, two, and three about Abraham. But we're going to get back into Genesis because Hebrews 11 is kind of like the highlight reel. It's kind of like the commendation of God. It's the Hall of Fame for faith, really. It's the Hall of Fame. And yet we have the privilege in our Bible to go on back to Genesis, Exodus, Kings and Chronicles and different places, Judges and Joshua. And, and we get to see the 
the daily grind, if you will. And I don't even call it a grind, but the daily walk, the daily life that you're going to live in between these high points with God. And so Hebrews 11 obviously gives us the high points where God commends what they did. He he holds them up as an example of someone who trusted him, someone who had faith in him, someone who walked with him. And yet we go back to the book of Genesis like we are right now, and we see Abraham uh, working through some questions. Because uh, how many of life will have questions? And in our previous program, we spent time in Hebrew, uh, Genesis 15 where God uh, and Abraham are having conversation, and God is not backing down. How <laughs> I mean, God is a rock? He's a mountain. If, if something's going to move, it's going to be me, not him. If something's going to adjust, it's going to be me, not him. So that means when we have questions, and life will present questions. When we have questions, we have to let the Bible answer. We have to let God answer. We have to let the Word of God. We have to let the Word of Christ, the life of Jesus. We have to let Holy Spirit answer those questions. We can't let our experience we can't let those that we might have looked up to and their experience always be the the standard because um, a lot of times you you know you'll see someone that you might admire their faith and then they go through a hard time and a difficult time and they don't come out maybe they die prematurely maybe they go through a bankruptcy maybe they lose their business maybe they lose their marriage and yet there was a time in their life where their their faith seems so strong and so robust and and then you're looking at that and you're thinking well what chance do I have if they could hold it together what see that's what I'm talking about only Jesus Christ is the one that we look at without question. But aside from that, we have other men we can follow, like Paul. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And and people like in the book of Hebrews, we can look at their lives. But we can also learn from their mistakes. We can learn from the things that they grew through. And like with Abraham, he had questions. Him and Sarah had questions. But they let God answer those questions. And one of the big things that answered uh, Abram's questions in Genesis 15 was, we looked at it last time, God made covenant. God made a blood covenant with Abram. And he says, this covenant is going to settle forever your questions. And it's going to be the thing that you can go back to and say, if I promised it, I've backed my promise in blood to make a covenant with you. And then we apply that to our lives today in the fullness of Jesus Christ and the blood he shed on Calvary in blood covenant with God the Father to redeem our soul, to save our soul, to remove our sins and reveal our value and identity and purpose. We can we can we can connect with God on very very sure terms, covenant terms. And in fact, um I didn't share this last time, but I, I want to share it here where we're talking about covenant. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6, because this is about Abraham. Abraham. Hebrews 6, uh, 13. When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Now, that's what we we read about in the last program, Genesis 15. God goes into de- or the word goes into detail about that. But here in Hebrews it's it's referencing back to that event 
of Genesis 15. When God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. That's covenant. And he said, surely, blessing, I will bless thee. Multiplying, I will multiply thee. Because remember, he promised Abraham children. And at this point, Abraham and Sarah have no children. And he just tried to barter with God about Eleazar. And he said, no, your chief of staff is not the one I'm going to use. I'm going to give you a son. Surely I'm going to bless you. Surely I'm going to multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And that's what we're digging into in our conversation here on Marksman. What does it look like to patiently endure? What does the daily walk look like? Because these visitations that Abraham had with God, many times there was years in between these visitations. Yet, Abraham walked daily with God. He walked daily trusting God who visited him, God who gave him a promise, God who who came down and in covenant shed blood and walked in the midst of the blood like Genesis 15 records. And here he's saying, after Abraham patiently endured, Genesis 6, 15, he obtained the promise for men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them the end of all strife. You might say it's, it's the end of all debate. And that's where we have to get to in our walk with God. We got to let the, the, the fear tries to argue with us, the worry that tries to argue with us, the circumstances that try to argue with us. We got to let the blood covenant settle the issue. God has promised me. God has spoke his word. God has given me his word and he has backed it in blood. Now for Abraham, it was the blood of a heifer and goats and pigeons and doves and things like that. But for us, It's the blood of Jesus. And Romans 8 says, if he didn't withhold Jesus, then he won't withhold anything good that we need. So this this is what Genesis, I'm sorry, Hebrews 6.16 says, men swear by the greater, and it's an oath of confirmation to them. This ends all strife, all debate, wherein God willing even more abundantly to show his heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath or with a covenant that by two immutable things in which first it's impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon a hope set before us. That's Jesus, which hope we have as an anchor for our soul both sure and steadfast, that which enters inside the veil, whether the forerunner has entered us, entered for us, even Jesus, made now a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So we have this covenant language, not only settling the fears of Abraham, settling the worries of Abraham, we have a covenant with Jesus Christ, which should which should work to settle our fears, calm our anxieties, and let us know that what God has promised in his word, the promises he's made to protect us in Psalm 91, the promises he has made to lead us and guide us by his spirit, John 16, John 14, many other places, Romans 8, the promises God has made to provide for us, 
that, oh my goodness, that all grace would abound towards us so that we would always have all sufficiency in all things and abundance for every good work. Second Corinthians 9, 8. The promises of God are in Christ. Yes. And amen. And they're sure and they're steadfast and they're unchanging and they're immutable because they're in blood. They're in the blood of Jesus. They're in covenant language. This book, the Bible, is an old covenant and a new covenant. And both of those were blood covenants. The old covenant and the new covenant. And so when we go back and we're digging into this walk of Abraham, who's the father of our faith, that Romans 4 talks about, we follow him just like he followed God. We trust God like he trusted God. And just like righteousness was imputed to him because he trusted God's instruction, we have righteousness imputed into us because we have trusted God's provision of Jesus Christ. And so that's what Romans 4 talks about. But now let's go back to Genesis. Let's pick up our our study of the life of Abraham. And we left off, of course, in Genesis 15, where God made covenant with Abram. And now let's go to um, Genesis 17. Let's just pick it up there. Genesis 17 now. This is 13 years later (laughs) from Genesis 15. Uh, Two chapters, 13 years later. Remember what I said? Abram, I mean, we have these great visitations and these great things we look at, but let's not lose the impact of that 13 years later. I mean, God has not forgot what he said. God has not forgot what he promised. And obviously, Abram hasn't forgotten either. But this time, man, time has a way of working on us. Time has a way of trying to put fear in us. Time has a way of trying to put doubt and hesitation in us. But I tell you what, the Word of God is timeless. I love what the revelation God gave my son, Sam. He says, when the Word of God comes into our life, it affects our past, present, and future. Because God, who is outside of time, is speaking into our life, into our moment, and His Word affects our past, present, and future. I love that revelation. That's powerful. And so here God, outside of time, is is stepping into Abram's life from time to time. And here, as we measure time, this was like 13 years later. Genesis 17, let's pick it up. Now when Abram was 99 years old, he still has no child, but he still has a promise. He still has no son, but he still has a promise. And he still has a relationship with God. He still has a covenant, a blood covenant with God. So now he's 99 years old. The Lord appears to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. (laughs) I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. (laughs) Don't doubt. Don't fear. Don't worry. Don't fret. Trust me. I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply you exceedingly. I love this. Man, God ain't backing down. God is unmoved. He is unmoved by the time. We get moved by time. 
Abram was getting moved by time. That's flesh. We can feel time and the passing of time. Yet God, he is unmoved. He is not budging off this promise he made to Abram. This promise that your seed and in you shall all the nations of the world be blessed. Because ultimately, who was going to be the seed? You say, well, it was Isaac. Well, yeah, Isaac. But who was ultimately the seed? I mean, the reason God is holding on to this, the reason God is bearing down on this, is because this is ultimately talking about Jesus. (laughs) He's the seed. He's the seed that through Abraham and his obedience and his Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you go on down in Joseph and all the lineages and through David and Moses and all those, you come down to Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, and you come to Calvary, and you come to the blood of sprinkling, the blood that went down Calvary's cross where God made an ultimate new covenant in the blood of his son, and then through the preaching of the gospel, he invited us into relationship with him through the perfect relationship he had with his son, Jesus Christ. So, so let's not lose sight as we get into the weeds here, so to speak, of, of what we're dealing with with Abram. He said, I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Now, this is so important. God is literally changing Abram's identity. It's something he had to do years later, even with Jacob. Jacob, his grandson, That name means deceiver, supplanter, trickster. Jacob had to become Israel, prince with God. And that happened after a time he wrestled with God. We'll get into that, you know, perhaps later in our our studies if we get to that. But I want you to see that this name change is so important. A change in our identity is so important. And here God is... I mean, this thing has went on and went on and went on, and we're, we're many years down the road after the time God made promise and where God's even made covenant, and he cut covenant, and blood was shed, and God walked in the midst of that blood, Genesis 15, but now we're like 13 years later, and he's appearing again to Abram, and the word of the Lord's coming to him again, and he's saying, you're no longer going to be Abram. I'm going to change your name to Abraham. And that that's the breath of God. That's the Hebrew uh, name of God. God's putting himself into Abram. He's not only making covenant, but he's putting his breath. And there's a perfect foreshadowing of what God did through Christ. Through the blood of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. But that was ultimately so Holy Spirit in John 20 
those disciples after the resurrection of Jesus. The blood was shed. The blood was in heaven. Jesus appears in John 20, and he breathes on them and says, Receive Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. John 20, 22, you can read about it. He breathes on them and says, Receive Holy Spirit. How many of that changed everything? Just like for here, Abram, having a covenant with God, blood was shed, blood was walked in. God promised in blood him to have children. Now God's changing his name and putting the his breath into him, his spirit, so to speak. And he said, I have made you a father of many nations. I mean, God is bearing down and he is removing the questions. You read about it in Romans 4, who against hope, Abraham believed in hope. I mean, this is where it all gets settled right here. God says in verse 6 now, this is Genesis 17, 6, I will make of thee, I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. I will make you, I will bring nations out of you. Kings shall come. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, God is just, he's not only saying you're going to have a child. He said, you're going to have not only a child, you're going to have so many children. And it wasn't just about the number of children. It was going to be the quality and caliber of children that you're going to have nations come out of your loins. You're going to have kings come out of your loins. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and your seed and their generations. Some may say generations. Generations. See, sometimes until we start thinking generationally, we can't even think some of the thoughts that God wants us to think as men. And again, this isn't about where you are any more than it was about where Abram was and now Abraham. He's still childless. So don't let where you are disqualify you from believing God. It's the whole reason we're taking time and, and, and digging into the details of, of Abram's struggle, his questions, his, his journey, the time that passes. None of that disqualifies the fact that God wants him to trust him. And when he trusts him, his promise comes to pass. So I just, I pray that any excuses, any questions, any fears, any doubts are getting erased as we have this conversation together here on Marksman. He says, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. It's going to be bet- between me and you and your seed and their generations. It's going to be an everlasting covenant. Do you realize that that ultimately was ratified on the cross of Calvary? And it has made it an everlasting covenant. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, through through the ages to come, God's going to show us how exceedingly kind, kind he was to us in the face of Jesus Christ. This is an everlasting covenant. This life is not going to tell the whole story. (laughs) <laughs> just as much as these 120 years, however long you live on this planet, 
as good as it gets, as much as we do, as much as we experience, this is, this is the briefest thing we'll ever do with God as his sons and daughters, as his family. This is the briefest thing we'll ever do. Even if you live 120 years, good, ripe, old age, full of days, full of riches, full of honor, it's still the briefest thing we'll ever do as God's family, as God's sons and daughters. So this everlasting, I mean, God's, he's, he's saying it all the way back here in Genesis 17. It's going to be an everlasting covenant. I'm going to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Verse 9, and God said to Abraham, you shall keep my covenant, therefore you shall and your seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after thee. Every man child among thee shall be circumcised and you shall circumcise the flesh of the foreskin. It will be a token of the covenant between me and thee. So this is where circumcision comes into play in the Hebrew family or in Israel, we know it today, the, the Israelites' customs, because this was Israel is a nation, but it's the, it's the family of Abraham. It's the, it's the nation birthed by Abraham, starting with Isaac. But the token of the covenant was circumcision. Verse 13, he that is born in thy house, he that is bought with your money, he must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now, verse 15, just going to read a little bit of this, Genesis 17. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but you shall call her Sarah. Sarah shall her name be, and I will bless her, and I will give thee a son of her. Now, if you remember the whole story of Ishmael, I mean, there was another, I mean, God and, and Abraham and Sarah, they're they're trying to work this thing out. Not only did Abraham try to offer Eleazar, his chief of staff, as a fulfillment of the covenant. Uh, him and Sarah even got together and tried to have a child not with Sarah, but through Sarah's handmaid. And they had Hagar, her name was Hagar, and they had Ishmael. And of course, if you studied that out and <laughs> see where all that has led today, Ishmael, he was the son of Abraham, not of Sarah, though. This promise was between Abraham and Sarah. And so he had to get Sarah on board. And you can read about that in Hebrews 11, where Sarah herself got into faith. Sarah herself judged God faithful. And through Abraham and Sarah, they had Isaac. Now, Abraham did have with Hagar a son named Ishmael. But God said, nope, 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 nope. Don't try to do this on your own. Don't try to produce this on your own. Let my spirit, let my word, let my promise be fulfilled by my power and by my grace. And so he said, I will bless her. I will give you a son of her. Yea, I will bless her. She shall be the mother of nations. Oh my goodness. Kings. This is Genesis 17, 16. Kings will will come out of her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, <laughs> See, I'm telling you, this journey, that's why I'm taking time to dig into this. 
this journey with God. And I hope somebody's getting free today, free from how the devil has 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 lied to you and discouraged you and said, you know, see, you got into doubt, you got into fear, you got into, well, so did these people. They they had their fears, they had their questions, they had their laughs. Here he is laughing. He laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him, him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who's ninety year old, I mean, <laughs> and Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Because <laughs> remember, they'd had Ishmael, and he, he's still trying to broker with God. He tried to broker Eleazar. Now he's trying to broker Ishmael. <laughs> But God's not going to back down. His promise is to Abraham and to Sarah that they're going to have a child. And he says, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how old she is. It's not too late. And God said to Sarah, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son. Indeed, you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish, this is Genesis seventeen nineteen. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. That would, of course, have been uh, Jacob, who became Israel. Um, but as for Ishmael, I've heard thee. Behold, I've blessed him. I'll make him fruitful. I'll multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make of him a great nation. So there, I'm not going to go down that trail right now. Verse 21, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee. And this will happen by this time next year. So, here God's uh, going to say, okay, you're, you're so worried about the time. You're so worried about the time. You're so worried about the time. How old you are, how old you are, how old she is, how old she is. He said, here, okay, here you go. Eleazar is not going to be the man. And no, Ishmael is not going to be the man. I'll bless Ishmael. He'll, he'll be a nation. Princes will come out of him. I'll bless him. I'll multiply him. But my promise is still between you and Sarah. I walked in blood, I promised in blood, I spoke of the stars, I spoke of the sand, and you are going to have a nation born out of your loins. And in you, like I promised in Genesis 12, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And he says, my covenant, this is Genesis 17, 21, my covenant will be established with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time next year and he left off talking with him and God went up from Abraham whoa now I'm kind of embellishing this a little bit I don't know that you could totally say it this way but it's kind of like if if they were on the phone and and God's talking to Abraham and Abraham's talking to God and and they just had this conversation and God says nope it's going to be this way I've said it I've promised it quit talking about it quit making excuses I want you to get out of fear and click he just hung up <laughs> That's my embellishment. I don't know that you could totally say it went that way, but it does say Genesis seventeen twenty two, and he left off talking with him. <laughs> he said the conversation's over. So however you want to imagine that, then just let your imagination go. God says, we're done talking. This time next year, you're going to have a son. But notice, it all came to pass after the name changed after identity changed 
So now, anytime Sarah speaks to her husband, she's not saying Abram. Anybody in his household, I mean, he's got a huge, he's got multiple companies, you might say. I mean, he was very rich in cattle and gold and herds of all kinds. Eleazar, we know, chief of staff running the whole show. But here's the point. No one ever from this point forward called him Abram. They called him Abraham. And that name means father of many nations. So every point forward, Abraham's called the son of many nations, a father of many nations. So Sarah would say, uh, what do you want for, for dinner tonight, father of many nations? How's things going in our sheep business, father of many nations? How's things going with the cattle, father of many nations? What do you want to do? What do you want to do next week, father of many nations? His identity changed. Her identity changed. And now the promise that had tarried for years, literally decades, is fulfilled in one year when the identity changes. And this is why it is so powerful to allow our identity, like the New Testament teaches us, put off the old man, put on the new man, put off that old way of thinking, put on the new way. In other words, there's certain things as men, we just got to put off our past and put on our future. Like the prodigal son of old, we got to let the father put that robe of favor on us. And we'll talk about that more when we get into the life of Joseph. But we got to let God put a new identity on us, that we're no longer men struggling. I want to share a testimony as I close today's conversation. I was privileged when we pastored um, for about 21 years in the Kansas City area. We were privileged to go into the prisons uh, system, uh, Max facility up in Lansing, Kansas, and then later in Leavenworth, we went to, to the USDB, which is the military uh, side of the federal prison. Just had a lot of years privileged and such a blessing to be able to go in and share the Word of God and, and, and just be with our brothers in Christ who were in prison behind the walls. And there, there's a man, I'm just going to give you, uh, I'll just make up a name. I don't want to use his name. I'll just say Joe. His name wasn't Joe, but just there's a man named Joe that uh, I would go into prison. And the first time we went in, he came up and shook my hand. He said, Pastor, <laughs> Pastor, thank you for coming. I've never met him before. I'm just, this is our first call out. We're going in. I'm, I'm kind of nervous. I, I don't know how this is going to go. And and I was just kind of blown away by the hospitality and the warm welcome that these men had and the zeal, oh my goodness, the zeal for Christ and the love for His Word and, man, their willingness just to worship, throw their hands up, praise God, sing, just strong voice. Man, I was I was blown away. I, I, I went to hopefully be a blessing to them, but I ended up leaving more blessed, I think, than they felt blessed. It was just... It always boosted my faith, just going and sharing that worship time with uh, with my brothers in, in prison there. But but Joe, we'll just call him Joe. Joe came to me, and he, he shook my hand. He said, Pastor, thanks for coming. Thanks for not forgetting us. Like he, And he quoted Matthew 25. Thanks for not 
coming and coming and visiting Jesus in prison. You know, here we are. We're the family of God. We're brothers in Christ. Thanks for coming to us. Thanks for bringing the word of the Lord. Thanks for taking your time out. He, he just expressed his gratitude, and he thanked the whole team because we brought others in. We we did it as a team out of our church, and he just thanked everyone. And and he he said, Pastor, he said, Can I give you my testimony? I said, Sure, Joe. What uh, I I didn't know what I was going to hear, but he said, Listen. I'm no longer a man in prison. I'm a man in Christ. And I'm telling you, the honey of heaven just came upon me. I thought, whoa. I mean, it it was such a sincere testimony. It wasn't like, oh, this is kind of cute to say. No, I'm telling you, he was living this. He, You could tell he woke up every day aware of the fact I'm not in prison. I'm in Christ. But was he in prison? Yeah. But prison was no longer his identity. He had put that off. And he had accepted the fact that if I'm going to call myself a Christian, that I'm not going to be in prison anymore. I'm going to be in Christ. And I'm telling you, for 18 years, we went into that same prison. The last couple years, we went into the USDB in Leavenworth. But for 18 years, we went into Lansing. And for 18 years, every time we went in, every time we went in, Joe would meet me and he'd say, Pastor, he'd thank us for coming. Shake my hand. Good firm handshake. Thanks for coming. Thanks for not forgetting us. Thanks for bringing the word of the Lord. Thanks for the team that comes in and just loves us and worships with us. And he said, can I give you my testimony? (laughs) I said, yeah. And of course, after years, you know, I've heard this testimony so many times, but I'm telling you, this was his testimony. I'm no longer a man. Now, see, this man, Joe, I don't know what he did, but I do know this. He was never getting out. He's going to die in that prison. He, he, he will leave the earth, and he will go to heaven from that, from that prison in Lansing. Yet, his daily life, I'm no longer a man in prison. I'm a man in Christ. And I'm, I'm sitting here before you, in the studio, I've got a, a Bible in front of me, and if you could see it, I've got a Bible cover that Joe made me. He made me a couple different Bible covers, different things, some belts and some other things. But I can't. I, I carry this Bible. I'll never get rid of this cover because it reminds me of that testimony. His, I still hear his voice, and not only does his testimony affect me, his testimony is affecting who knows how many men a part of marksman today. And so like Abraham, are you going to let God change your name? Like Joe up in Lansing, are you going to let God change your name? Are you no longer going to be a man who struggles, a man who worries, a man who fears, a man who doubts? Are you going to be a man in Christ? Are you going to aim your life at Christ-likeness? Are you going to let Marksman be more than just a program, more than just a podcast? Are you going to let it be a supply of the Spirit that keeps your your focus sharp, keeps your aim sharp to where you just won't bow to this world system? And you won't let life put a badge on you. You won't let life label you. But you'll let Jesus put a name on you. You'll let Christ be your identity. I want to thank you for being a part of Marksman today. I've prayed for you. I'm praying for you. Let's put off the old man. Let's put on the new man. 
Let's keep our life aimed at Christ's likeness. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. Hope you'll share this program with other men. We have been marked by Christ, and we're aiming our life at Christ's likeness.